welcome to Slacker Moto Radio with Brad and Addison. Based out of the Pacific Northwest, we're talking motorcycles and the motorcycle community, and we're excited to have this hour with you. Here we go. Welcome back, Slackers. Brad, how are you? I am doing pretty good. Yeah, can't complain too much. How about you? How are you doing, Addison? <laughs> I think you forgot my name for a minute there, but I'm good. I call you Ace. I like to call you Ace. So. <laughs> All right, fair enough. No, things are good, man. Just uh, pushing through the week, trying to get as much done uh, outside of work as as we can on some of the uh, the projects here in the garage. So yeah, it's been all in all a pretty good week. Yeah, I've seen a couple pictures. Uh, looks like uh, Gladiator's been uh, making some progress. Well, yeah, you got so mad at me last week for not involving you in things that were happening. So I thought uh, now every time I make another uh, another step of progress, I got to send it your way. Yeah, I appreciate it. Pretty cool picture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah, I got the subframe actually tacked on. Got the uh, seat pan, the starts of a seat pan. I won't call it ready yet, but the basic shape is ready bent and sitting there i've just got to kind of fine-tune the cuts on the edge to make sure it it fits correctly and then tack on all of the uh the mounting points for that but uh yeah i'm i'm pretty excited i've got a couple things as well in the works for the next steps that i've kind of lined up and and gotten ready so it's just a matter of uh, continuing to plug along and we're almost to the point that everything's you know as shape goes ready to go and it's time to to get the engine back in and, and start basically uh, subbing everything up so that I can take it apart and kind of finish finish weld and finish paint everything. So we're we're getting there. I mean that's it's easier said than done. There's a lot of work that goes into getting that far along, but really the the big big pic, big picture steps are not uh, not too bad from here. I, I hear you there. So I'm expecting to see it on the road uh, next week. Well, not next week, but I, next summer what? is not, whoa, not... Whoa, whoa, next week. I wish. You said that it was pretty much done. With the weather we've had, I don't really wish too much. I'm, I'm good with it in the garage for now. Okay, well, Saturday and Sunday are supposed to be pretty dry. So, okay, so we'll you know pull back a little bit. I did see some Saturday being dry. I plan to get quite a bit of the uh, the big machining work that makes a lot of sparks and that I don't necessarily want to be flying over, all over the shop. Um, I plan to pull that out front and, and do a lot of that. Wait, machining and sparks really don't go together. Well, maybe not machining, right? We got to grind, we got to cut, we got to do some heavy welding. I got to get it off the bench for that. My bench is a wood bench, so I'm fine to tack it, but I don't really want to sit there and weld full uh, full components on a wood bench for fear of burning through it. Okay, okay, yeah. So, I mean, I you know, I lined it well and have all the the protection necessary but it'll burn through that protection too if it's just sitting there so i'll get it out on on concrete where i don't worry about welding but uh yeah all in all it's been been a good productive week for that it's been fun to kind of get my hands dirty and cut metal and weld metal and all the all the fun things that go with fabrication no i can't wait to see it out i know i've said that many times but uh be pretty cool I mean, right now you're at least to the point where you can kind of not maybe sit on it, but you could, right? And you should be as you're fabbing up how you want the seat to, um, the angles for the seat and everything else. I know it has no padding on it, but it's pretty critical right now. You're going to be making some final welds that are going to kind of stick it in that position. 
uh, pretty much permanently. So it's time to start actually sitting on it and figuring out how you want it to be. So yeah, I've jumped up on the bench and, and thrown a leg over and, and can definitely tell that to make it long-term comfortable, there's going to be some some seat foam games that are going to have to be played to uh, to sit in that position comfortably. So, yep, to your point, that's that's the point it's at now is starting to, to fine-tune the uh, the rough cuts that once were. You didn't steal some cushions out of the living room for this? No, we're good there. All the there's a couple of a couple of good facilities in our area, a few good specifically motorcycle upholstery, but obviously they do everything, but are known for their seats. I'll uh, I'll have that out outsourced to somebody who who can do a very professional job. Um as much as I can probably staple and or glue vinyl and leather onto some foam. There's people that know what they're doing that I'll I'll leave that to. I, I guess my point is is that there's only so much that you can do with foam. I mean, you you can make a ridiculously tall seat, but I don't know if that's what you want. And I guess that's what I'm getting at <clears throat> is that it's pretty critical that you take the time now uh, to actually ensure that it's going to work. Because the last thing you want is a bike that you don't want to ride more than ten minutes. I'm not saying that's in the, the path that you're going down. But as an ergonomics expert, I have to uh, warn you and caution you towards uh, spending a little bit more time in development. Yeah, I don't know if I trust you. Okay. <laughs> That's fine. No, uh, I appreciate that. We'll, we'll make sure that it's all dialed in. This is still, especially for the seat pan right now, it's just a rough cut of the base pan. The uh, the actual seat that'll mount will have to be molded on top of that. So we're not we're not done by any means. Uh, in fact, kind of getting everything to hook in and and work with the gas tank and made up. You know, you and I have talked about that. That one of the key features, at least for me, on a custom bike that differentiates a quality custom build from a random garage build is how well the seat and tank made up and match their styling. Right. Right, as opposed to an off-the-shelf uh, Amazon special, which, which sometimes they, they can work really nice, but a lot of times that's the that's the tear in the whole build for me. Yep, uh, and you can tell pretty quick. If, if they mate perfectly, you know it's been done professionally, or at least you know the time has been taken to, to do it right. If there's that gap or you know many other little seam issues or the the lines of where the seat starts at the bottom compared to where the tank ends at the bottom don't match up. You know, all those things kind of point to, yeah, I bought a cheap, a cheap seat from China and I bolted it on. So that is not the goal here. Yeah. Now that you've uh, mentioned that on this podcast, everybody's going to be super critical of that Good. transition now, by the way. So it's got to be right, but yep. I'd rather be on a bike that's comfortable as opposed to looks good now and there's fine line there i get that but it's pretty important to me so anyway measure measure twice that's all i'm saying sounds good how about you any work done this week uh nothing on a motorcycle uh kind of cleaning up some stuff trying to figure out how i'm going to wire the carport i got a, a large carport 20 by 40 uh enclosed on two sides at least uh, but no lights and not really any power in there. This is all attached to the garage or at least right beside the garage. It, it's just, I, I can run an extension cord, but I'm getting really sick of it. So my focus has transitioned into 
um, checking the wiring on the house and how each circuit's been loaded and what I can do for an add-on for my house. I do have 200 amp service, but a lot of that's being used. So I'm trying to ascertain if there are any circuits that are unneeded um, or that are that are way overloaded. Since the house is from the 70s, I've actually determined that there's a couple circuits that really need to be redistributed. A couple circuits that don't really have anything on them. So I'm like, okay, so I can redistribute some of that um, amp draw. And then I've got a greenhouse that I have no intent to use and at all ever maybe, or at least right now. And so it's got uh, two 40 amp circuits going to it. And so I think I'm actually going to pull from that and be able to run that for the carport. So, so I guess my story is, is that my focus has been on trying to make it so I can actually do things since our days are getting shorter right now. That's completely fair, man. I was, you know, cutting metal and, and working on things this weekend and it, you know, it's five thirty, six o'clock and I get that like, Oh, I can't go outside. Cause you know, there's, there's people that live near here and I don't want to piss off everyone around and then realize, yeah, it's six o'clock. I could probably go get some work done, but yeah, it, it gets but dark you early, man. See, right. And I'm tired of dragging around an extension cord with a, with a heat <laughs> lamp in essence, trying just that way I can have light wherever I'm working. And I mean, I, it, it works. I can be fairly productive, but it just sucks. So I'd like to really get, and I think that's my on my Christmas list as far as one thing that I'd like to get. And I know we'll get into Christmas wish lists here pretty soon, but a Christmas list would be to include lights in the carport. So I'm having to do a little bit of background research. It's kind of fun. Uh, I enjoy math. I like spreadsheets and everything. So it works out pretty good. Uh, but but it takes some time. So, and then, then an investment, which isn't actually too bad, but uh, it's still crack, you know, takes away from other resources for projects. So, but this will be a big one. It'll be, it's worth it. It's worth it to spend a few hundred dollars getting this set up. Oh, absolutely. I mean, good lights in a garage. And we, we talked about our shop ideals. Oh, man, that was a long time ago. You can definitely go back into the, the uh, the archives at this point really for that one but uh, we talked about the ideal shop and what we'd have in it so um yep light good lighting i think came up from everybody we talked to so yep that's important and well worth the investment yeah so i think i'm actually going to have i'm thinking at least eight 5500 lumen uh, led shop lights in there uh, which the ceilings are kind of tall, so I might eventually want to do something on the sides just uh, so I can ensure that when I'm working on the side of a vehicle, a car or truck, that I uh, can see while I'm working on like hubs or wheels and tires, whatever it may be. And then I'm, I'm okay with maybe just a couple outlets right now, but I want to be able to expand on that and make sure that I've got them well-spaced. And that way, as I get things set up, like my plasma cutter table that I've had sitting in there uh, that needs to be, that needs a lot of work, but uh, to get that set up, be able to put things around in the carport if I want uh, to be able to set up shop space, to be able to work a little bit. So uh, it's pretty exciting for me. It's been, I've been in this house for six years and uh, with no lights in the carport. So 
it's time. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it. I think it's going to be awesome to uh, to be all set up. Make sure uh, take some pictures. We'll share it with all the slackers. Yeah, well, you're going to be there helping me route it all when I get to that point. So let me know. You know, I'll be there. I know. I know. We're both working on trying to get incorporated into each other's projects a little bit more. That's right. And if it takes you as long as it's taking the KLR, I'll show up on the Gladiator. Okay. That sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> Had to give that little jab. Oh, but geez. nonetheless, just to uh, switch focus a bit, this won't be uh, too long from here for as episodes go, just to uh, have this conversation. But I thought one of the important things we talked about last week, winter's coming. Uh, all the projects we're doing, all the things that are going on and kind of that winter prep and, and prepping for news uh, coming up through the winter and all the new bikes and, and plans and things coming out. Uh, but I thought with winter uh, on its way, one of the important things we could talk about is winter safety tips. So uh, I guess just to kind of throw you uh, under the bus here, what uh, what would you say are the most important tips? Uh, if you're riding in the winter, if you're riding in the rain, obviously it's not snowy everywhere and it's not even rainy everywhere this time of year. But for a lot of us, winter's a, a cold, wet time. What uh, what should you do as a rider? Stay home. No, so what I actually would suggest at a minimum is situational awareness is even more key right now, whether it be uh, other traffic, um, but more importantly, road conditions and just... Uh, if you've been pushing a bike through the summer and it's, there's a couple maintenance items that you've kind of let go a little bit that weren't really critical, you're like, oh, I'll get to them this winter. And you, you decide to take a final uh, winter ride uh, on a nice day is that well, remembering that you might need those new tires now if you really want to go out because this is where you start needing those uh those traction tires and well the brakes needing to be worked on well now it's pretty critical to have some of those key safety features of a motorcycle ready to rock and roll so for me it's situational awareness and bike prep i think that brings up i mean a really good point you're basically saying it in all the the preparation and awareness ways but you know in the winter the the drivers or the cagers out on the road aren't aren't expecting us quite as much. Uh, I do notice that right in the summer they see a lot of bikes around, and there's a certain awareness that that every car has that okay there could be a bike on my side I need to double check a little harder. Uh, in the winter they see a lot less bikes, therefore well, at least where we're shorter at shorter days, yeah, yep, and shorter days. But but you know there's not as many motorcycles on the road, so you know being being aware of that situation, having better stopping power better, uh, you know, better turning power, all the things you need from a good set of tires, good set of brakes, but as well, you're, you know, increasing that visibility, uh, whether that means, you know, having a, a better helmet or having a better, you know, cleaning your windscreen, making sure you're kind of staying on that. So you've got good visibility and, uh, generally a better following distance as well, that you're keeping that, that safe distance between you and the cars and, and kind of, being, you know, maybe hyper aware of where you're at in traffic so that you're not in anybody's blind spot. You're keeping yourself as far away from any of those risk situations that you can. I mean, that's always the game with with riding, whether you're racing, whether you're street riding, whether you're touring, whatever you're doing. Well, the game you're really playing in your head is keeping the, the risks as low as you can. And um, I agree with you on that, that there's so much going on in the winter that kind of is not helping the motorcyclist on the road that uh, making sure that you're you're more aware of that and riding you know 
with that in mind. Therefore, you're kind of turning that disadvantage to your advantage because of your awareness. Yeah, one of the big things that I would start with is premeditated conditioning. So thinking through these things, and we're only going to name a few during uh, during this episode, but really thinking through what it might mean. And it's kind of fun because you're going to be thinking about riding and you know that you're going to go riding. And But, you know, what what are the road conditions? Are there going to be leaves on the road? Have you ridden in, in a wet environment very much through the summer based on uh, your location uh, in the U.S. or wherever you are in the world? But you know, just conditioning yourself to what ifs, what am I going to do? How are the roads going to be? Do I need to take it easy? Like just, just take it easy and go for a ride where I'm just getting comfortable with the bike on a somewhat wet road, maybe even uh, go through the road. You know, this pay, this space, this pass is an awesome pass in the summer, but maybe going through it the first time, just enjoying the scenery and kind of pay, you know, while you're looking at the road, but paying attention to what the conditions are so that way when you want to rip through it a little bit faster um, and really get into it, maybe you understand what to expect and or realize that, uh, yeah, it's not I can't do that this time, but I'm going to really enjoy my ride regardless. So really be thinking about that and setting yourself up for success. I think that's a, a super interesting point. I mean, in the winter, I think I am generally as a rider, you know, stopping to smell the roses a little more or you know, paying, paying more attention to the conditions and not trying to live for the thrill of the ride quite as much. Um, you know, really on the street, that's not the goal most of the time anyway, but that is some of the fun of riding is being able to carve corners and all of that in the winter, you know, that, yeah, if, if it's a, a wet leafy road, you know, I'm going to go through pretty slow to where there is no carve really in my ride. Um, yeah. So even if you don't see any leaves initially, you're in an area where there's trees and they're ones that are deciduous or whatever they're going to do. And they're going to be dropping their uh, leaves. And so you might come around a corner and there they all are. Right. So. Yep. And so, you know, for that reason, it's more enjoying the, the colors and the sights and, and yeah, still paying attention to the road, but I definitely get more of the, the environment around me on a winter ride. It's more of that casual scenic tour than uh, you know, a hard ride day by any means. So, yeah, I think that's a really good point. And one of the things I wanted to bring up, obviously, one of the items that, that, that gets a lot of people are cold tires. And that's something that'll get you in the summer, right? If you're on it too quickly at the beginning of your ride, if you don't let your tires warm up. But in the winter, with the roads being cold and your tires being cold, that increases that risk. So that's Ambient one of the temperatures things. Temperatures in general, yeah. Yep. That's one of the things to be aware of is your your road tires. Granted, a good pair of touring tires or a good set of of road tires are meant to heat up their their goal is to pick up heat and try to warm up quickly so there is a certain advantage to that right if you're in racing tires their goal is to dissipate heat because you're riding so hard they want to get rid of heat and you'll never warm up in the winter i mean you just you can't but um you know in the summer those tires are awesome whereas you know your street tires are going to try to warm up but you still have to be very aware that they're going to be it's going to be difficult for them to be at optimal temperature with especially, you know, if you're looking at 40 degree roads or less in certain situations, um, you know, your roads are are not going to help you in a situation of best grip. So that's something to be really aware of. And uh, we talked about it before, but the kind of your your visibility and your your awareness around you. One of the game changers I've had when riding is getting a pin lock uh, face shield on my helmet. 
Uh, and that right there has just changed the ability to have winter visibility at any speed and pace. That having that extra pin lock screen on the inside of my my visor gives it basically that double pane glass uh, technology is basically what it is, the same as having double pane glass. And it just doesn't fog up. Um, you know, that was when I first started riding, I had a cheap built helmet and it was fine and sufficient, met all DOT standards and whatever. But if you stopped and it was less than 50 degrees and you stopped at the stoplight for more than 30 seconds, it would just, you know, you couldn't see. You had to crack it. You had to throw it all the way open. You, you had to do something to clear out the inside of that windscreen. Oh, but sure with thing. the pin, yeah, with the pin lock windscreens, it, it does such a good job of, of uh, mitigating that temperature change between the outer lens and the inner lens such that you just don't have that issue. It really doesn't fog up. And so I highly recommend anybody that's a year-round rider, if you're not going that route or if you're having trouble trying to be more of a winter rider and you're having trouble seeing through uh, through your visor on a, you know, on a winter stoplight or stop-and-go traffic or whatever it is, uh, definitely check out uh, Pinlock Shield. Really, all the big manufacturers have them for their helmets, so it shouldn't be something that's hard to find. You know, for a Shoei or Rye, HJC, uh, Bell, you know, anyone really, you'll get it for your helmet. Um, but it's worth it. You know, it's not cheap per se for something add-on that, you know, doesn't seem necessary, quote unquote. But, you know, that extra 20, 30 bucks, whatever it is, to to basically make sure that you can see no matter how fast or slow you're going is well worth it, especially if you're riding anything in the, you know, late fall, winter or early spring. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Yeah, in general, all of your safety equipment that you have, I mean, it's, uh, you, you know, you look anymore and it's pretty amazing. There's some pretty cool um, technology out there now. And so if you find yourself at a disadvantage in any way, like your windscreen fogging up or, you know, maybe getting cold, but knowing that it, it, maybe like fingers and hands getting cold, but knowing that you don't you don't want to end up sweaty by the time you get to your destination. Like there's some really good stuff out there. Uh, definitely spend some time kind of just looking around. Uh, you know, a lot of people are starting to, you know, stop investing to some extent in what they have uh, going towards motorcycles and their hobby at this point of the year. But uh, if you're going to still go out, you're going to need it. And it's just kind of limiting you if you do want to go out. So, uh, you know, take a little bit of time, make sure that you're, you know, keeping up on things and making sure you got the right equipment. That's uh, that's really key. That's so true, man. Money doesn't buy happiness, but it definitely buys winter comfort on a motorcycle. <laughs> you know, you can, you can buy good heated gear and all of that. And, I mean, a good heated setup. It's shocking how comfortable you can be, even in like sub-zero temperatures. If you've got a heated vest, gloves, pants, and boots, you're going to be toasty warm and the weather around you is just frigid. Uh, and so that that does make a big game changer, especially, you know, if you're touring and doing bigger things in the winter, um, you know, some of it does come at a cost. But if you're going to be doing that, it makes it much more comfortable. And I guess to kind of our conversation, if you're comfortable in the winter, you're a lot safer. You're not as worried about being cold and shivering. And when you're going to stop next, your mind can be clear and you can focus on, the, you know, the actual dangers right around you at all times. Yeah, no, that's a good point. You don't want to get too comfortable, I would say, but I get what you're saying. Absolutely. Oh, man. I don't know. Mr. Ergonomics over here, I figured the more comfortable you are, the better, right? Well, I think it depends on how you want to define comfort. As far as temperature is concerned, you get too warm. You start getting tired. You don't want to have those kind of conditions is what I'm getting at. 
you don't want to no, have things that are aching and, and hurting you, but, uh, you, you know, making sure that you're, you're not, uh, overdressed and that you have the capabilities of opening up vents and regulating your temperature to some extent is important. Um, and that is for optimal comfort. Yeah. Kind of the age old outdoorsman conversation of layering up is, is important. Being able to stop and and take off a layer if you need to because it's a little too warm or add a layer if you need to because it's too cold. It's, it's definitely a good, uh, just logical rule of thumb when you're winter riding or really doing anything in the winter. Mm-hmm. So, no, I agree. I think, uh, you know, I, I, I'm I hoping that, that this conversation is helpful in in encouraging, you know, people not to necessarily put their bikes away for the entirety of winter. I know that's a thing that lots of people do is they'll basically winterize or button up a bike and not get it out until spring hits. And and hopefully that's not the case because there is good riding weather uh, intermittently throughout, even if you're kind of a clear weather or a, a good weather rider, fair weather rider, whatever you want to call it. You know, you'll get plenty of nice sunny, to, the, to your point, this Saturday here in the Northwest is supposed to be beautiful. Uh, you know, it's not a bad day to ride. It might be a little bit cold, but the right gear, a well-maintained bike, that, that doesn't matter, right? It's going to run just like it would if it was summer. Maybe not optimal. Maybe it's not the day to do a drag race, but uh, in fact, I would argue it's probably not if it's cold and the roads are cold. But, uh, you know, the ability to go out and enjoy the ride all year round is definitely there. And uh, there's lots of means, you know, with with equipment and setup and mental preparedness that that you don't have to put your bike away all winter. That's a good point. I mean, you can if you want. You can start riding bicycles. It's it's not going to be much different, you know. But I guess Harley's going to have their, you know, their bikes are coming out here pretty soon, ranging at twenty five hundred to $5,000. I mean, you know, that seems cheaper, right, than a motorcycle. I'm being relatively yeah. facetious. No, I, I know. And, I, and I'm not opposed. Having ridden, uh, you know, we, I think our, our listeners know Don at some level, but having ridden a couple of his electric pedal bikes, electric assist bikes, they're uh, they're cool. I'm not opposed to them. I just... That doesn't replace a motorcycle in my book. No, no, nobody said that it had to. But I mean, if you're going to put your motorcycle away, I guess you could buy a Harley Davidson F-150 if you want to, you know, keep <laughs> riding something that says Harley. I'm not going to lie, I, I'm quite partial to the Harley Davidson F-150 with the supercharged V8. Yeah, no, they would be pretty sweet. And I like black <laughs> and orange. I agree. But it helps that that's also a high performance F-150. So whether you like Harley or not, that's a sweet truck. I'm surprised you don't have one already with the expedition on the wayside. I know, man, we got to do something about that. But that's a that's a conversation for our uh, our spinoff podcast. Fords, Fords and more Fords. Oh, that's horrible. What about you? (laughs) Yeah. Well, I had to make something up on the fly. But uh, nonetheless, I think uh, I think it's good uh, to remember that it's okay if you don't want to ride. I, I appreciate your point there, Brad, that if you're not wanting to ride, and especially if you've got a bike that's maybe carbureted or older and, and is more difficult to let sit for a month and then bring back to life, uh, you know, sometimes it is easier to just put it down for, for a couple months while we let that sit. But all in all, it's... Uh, it is definitely possible. Uh, in fact, I've found with all of my bikes over the years that 
generally at least once every two weeks, there's a day or two that are, are quite nice. Uh, even here in the Northwest where... This is this is relatively mild, I will say, though. There's yeah. many people who live in climates where they really shouldn't take out their bike That's at certain true. times of the year. That is definitely fair, right? If I lived in northern Minnesota, it'd probably be pretty rare that I took out a bike. In fact, I might just get a timber slide kit for my bike. That, which would be cool, too, I guess, you know. I, uh, I, I have a hankering to try one of them out, so... I'm feeling that you'd be relatively disappointed. It would be there would be a fun factor, and it would be cool, but it would not be what you would expect. We'll see, man. I, I've got a buddy here that that was going over the uh, the pluses and minuses with me, and basically the conversation went that it is it is different and funner and easier than uh, than a snowmobile, which is quite fun. So I don't know. I, I feel like they're underpowered, especially when you're on like a 250 dirt bike. You just don't have the power to push a lot of snow like you do on a you know 120 horsepower uh snowmobile but we'll see uh that's de- definitely on the list of things to try within the motorcycle community so if you've ridden one let me know i'd actually really like to hear the opinions of others uh you know i have a feeling don's probably tried this we should get him on here and talk about it <laughs> we should i mean nonetheless i know that we've got uh you know we got listeners that have that have tried this and are probably huge fans of it, or maybe fall in the other realm of they've tried it and hated it. And I'd love to hear those opinions. So definitely check out Slacker Moto on Facebook and shoot us a message as to, uh, you know, comment on this, this podcast as to uh, what you thought. I'd be really curious to, uh, to get that, that fight going on the, the merits and, and pitfalls of, of timber sleds. At the same point though, check us out. Slacker Moto uh, Radio, right? Wherever you're listening, make sure you rate and review, share with your friends. Uh, we're having an awesome time with this. We've got a few things in the works. Uh, I think 2021 is going to be, hopefully in all aspects, just kick the crap out of 2020 for uh, for everyone in every aspect of life. Um, but we've definitely got a few things working that should be the case here with the, with the podcast. So we're excited for it. There'll be more news coming. We appreciate everybody listening and hope that uh, that we all have an awesome week. Until next time, ride on. Mm-hmm.